Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, life purpose coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Dustin Huckabee, a person in long-term recovery with a passion for developing collegiate recovery programs and helping others to achieve long-term sobriety. And now, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose podcast. I'm here today with Dustin Huckabee, who is a person in long-term recovery and has been sober since May of 2011. He's originally from San Antonio, Texas, and is married to Emma Huckabee. They moved to Lubbock, Texas, where Dustin attended the Center for Collegiate Recovery Communities at Texas Tech University. Upon Emma's graduation from Texas Tech in May of 2018, they relocated to Moore, Oklahoma, where Dustin graduated in 2020 with his bachelor's degree in social work and recently achieved his master's degree in social work from the University of Oklahoma. Dustin is the recipient of the National Collegiate Recovery Student of the Year Award in 2019 for his tireless work building a recovery space on campus for students. He was also the BSW Student of the Year in 2019, as well as a two-time recipient of the Ann and Henry Zaro Social Justice Award for 2020 and 2021. Dustin has sat on numerous boards of directors in the Oklahoma community, and his passion, education, and ability to help others gain a life of purpose and meaning are just a few reasons why we are excited to have him here today. Dustin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. And we've known each other before we came on the air. I was trying to think about when we got to know each other and for how long. And I said I would just make something up. So we've known each other for a while now. Yep, sounds do, great. Do you happen to know when that all started? I, I don't. I feel like we've done, since we've met, I feel like we've been... Um, a lot of places together. So I, I feel like it's been a long time. See, really. that's just how it is. When you know another individual like yourself in recovery, it's just like you've known each other for years. So I feel the same. Well, Dustin, as you may know, we start each episode with a kickoff question. You've chosen yours. And so I'll send that your way, and then we'll just see what the conversation takes us. Cool. All right, Dustin, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> It's a great, I don't know why I chose that question. It's a great question. <laughs> it's um, fun. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know, man. I, you know, I think in my life, um, you know, I was reflecting with my, my wife today, actually, uh, over the past 10 years of my sobriety and, and where life has, has brought us. And, you know, I have all these grand plans, right? And I have, you know, what I want to, to achieve, um, but exactly what it is that I want to do, um, I don't know. I think what it is that I, I, I'm drawn to, I think what my purpose is, is to help people in some way. Um, I think that that's self-evident with the work at OU um, and the work that I'm currently doing um, is to be in a position to to provide a, um, a safe environment for those that struggle with substance use disorder, you know. So wherever that road takes me, I'm open for it. So. Yeah, for sure. And as we've gotten to know each other, I've found out a little bit about your work and through our conversations and through online articles and, and social media. And it's been really exciting to me as a person who, for me, uh, really struggled with substance use disorder while a college student. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm not saying there weren't some resources available to me on campus. There may have been, uh, but they weren't evident and they sure weren't like what you've been bringing to OU. So sure. when I was a student, I was really, really suffering, very yeah. active. So I was just curious. And that's part of my, my um, real interest in just, in just connecting with you and having you share the story. Right. So like, what, what's some of your story, if you'd like to share some sure. of that? And then how did you get into the collegiate recovery work? Because yeah. that's, that's amazing. It is. So, you know, your story comes up quite often when I talk to, to folks. Yeah. Um, and they're always like, man, I wish I had that resource right. in college. Now, granted, it's always changed. I don't know if I would have used it or not, but it would have been nice if it was there. Yeah. And I think part of the problem with some of the resources that are on college campuses is that they're an afterthought. Right. So they're not forward facing. They're not a part of the culture of the university. And so that what happens is the students don't utilize those services because one, they may not even know that they're there or they're not very easily accessible. Um, and so with collegiate recovery, um, it we want to make it forward facing. We want to make it part of the culture. We want to uh, make it to where um, recovery is fun and exciting and not this doom and gloom that um that, uh, that it's, I guess, been around for so long. And so uh, a little bit about myself. So I, I got sober at 23, and, um, and that wasn't my first sobriety date. Um, I tried to get sober at, at 18, um, not because I wanted to, but because um, my parents were just scared uh, for me. And um, I had um, done some pretty bad things. I had, I had um, gotten on um, probation. I had felonies on my background when I was 18, and I'm pretty vocal about that because it's just my journey. It's just my story, and it's, it makes me who I am. And um, and so I got uh, on probation, and um, you know, I'm 18 years old, and I, you know, I, I remember very distinctly trying to go get a job at the YMCA, and uh, and I wanted to be around um, folks that were similar to my age that that maybe needed a little bit of help. I think I've always been that type of person. I think I remember, I don't know if. You remember what uh, AIM was? It was like, it was a, you know, it was a chat deal on, on the computer. And, yeah, I do. And, you know, my friends back then would always, they would ask me for advice, you know, and I guess I've always been that person. And uh, I'm sure I gave terrible advice being 14 years old <laughs> on AIM and relationship advice or whatever, you know. And, uh, but I've always been that, I was always that person. And, um, and so I go try to get this job at the YMCA to try to, help some people in and I went through their interview process and it was very lengthy. And, um, at the end of it, they called me back in and they set me in a room full of five or six people. And they just asked, they, they asked me, why would you even consider working here? You know, and, um, you have a background like this. There's no way we would uh, ever consider hiring you to work with children. And that was a legitimate question that came to that table. Sure. Oh my. And, okay. and I'm 18 years old, right? Yeah. And uh, I don't know that I'm suffering from a brain disease, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't know the scope of substance use disorder. Um, and, um, and so it just, it, uh, it shocked me uh, to, to my core, really. And I remember going into the car and just crying because I was like, I don't know why they asked me that. I don't know why they would humiliate me like that. And I don't, I didn't really understand the severity of, of my, of my actions. I just didn't, I couldn't. Uh, compute the the severity of it, and so um, I struggled with that for a long time. And, and growing up in my life, in my family, school was never talked about. Um, you know, I failed the first grade. Um, I uh, 
I, I barely learned how to read when I was in the fifth grade, like comprehensive reading. Um, and so I struggled academically my whole life. Um, and, um, so school wasn't talked about. So my mom did the best that she could do. Right. So she was like, Hey, like after, after you go to school, cause you, you have to go to school. Right. After that, like you should like be a carpenter or a plumber or a welder or, or some, something, a trade. Right. And of course, when you're young and your mom's telling you what to do, you're like, what do you know? Like, you don't know, you know, what, I don't want your advice, you know? And, um, and so I just struggled with that, um, my whole life. And, and so, um, fast forwarding when I got sober, um, uh, I had about a year and a half, two years of, of recovery under my belt. And I, that's when I met, met my wife, Emma, and she was going to college and she was doing her thing. And, um, she was like, Hey, have you ever considered going to college? And I said, I, I did when I was in rehab, I wanted to be a counselor, you know? And, uh, and I went, I went to a community college for half of a semester and just failed out. Like there just was like, this is way too hard, way too, str- I just couldn't do it. And, um, so I had a lot of, um, um, I had a lot of uh, emotions wrapped up in that, a lot of fear wrapped up in that. And so she's like, well, why don't you just start with one class, you know? And I was like, oh, you could, you could do that. Like, I thought it was like, you had to take 12 hours and do your thing. And she's like, no, you could take one class. And I was like, well, what, what was one something, something that I was good at, a subject that I was like, you know, I liked. And I was like, well, I could, I think I could do English. Like I could write a paper. And, um, and so I, I, I practiced the principles of 12 step recovery. Uh, and so I sat in the front row, I asked questions, I wrote down everything this lady said, which is not how you take notes. And I just was overwhelmed in class, just taking notes and figuring out, looking at my, my, my classmates and being like, are they taking notes? Like I'm taking notes. And I was just trying to figure it out. And I squeaked out of that class with a B and I was like, Hey, like, all right, maybe I'm onto something, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so she was ready to gra- to, to graduate there and go on to a larger university. Her father had went to Texas tech in Lubbock. And so she's like, I want to stay in Texas. So we were like, cool, let's, let's pack our stuff and let's head west and so we did i'd never been to lubbock um didn't really know it existed i think i'd seen maybe one texas tech football game when i was 10 and um and that was it and so we got to west texas and i immediately became resentful because i was like i don't why are we here like this is (laughs) there's dirt here you know and there's nothing in in 100 miles in any direction and the recovery was different right um and the people were different and um, and I was just out of my element and San Antonio, San, Antonio, San Antonio was my home. And so it was just a culture shock too. Cause, um, it's, San Antonio is a very, very diverse city and, um, and Lubbock, uh, was not. And so, um, it was just a culture shock for me. And once we got plugged into the recovery community, they started immediately talking about, uh, Texas Tech's collegiate recovery community. And they're like, Hey, have you heard of the center? That's what they, they called it. And I was like, I, no, I have no idea what that is. And they're like, Oh, they'll give you scholarships to go to school and they can, you know, they've got sober living and they've got, you know, a dedicated space with dedicated staff that you can just go and hang out and do notes and just be a student. And I was like, that sounds like the biggest scam I've ever heard in my life, you know? And, uh, and so both my wife, uh, and I were very reluctant to, to, um, 
to give our recovery to something like that. You know, it was, we were very protective of our recovery, oh, I see. Yeah, you know, for sure. and, and so we just didn't know like, right. The trust or yeah. You know, yeah, what is this? Right. Just unfamiliar with it. Right. And, and I didn't want to be exploited in any way, yeah. you know? And so I was just very reluctant to it. And so I, um, um, a, a lot of, um, uh, really God things happened in my life in Lubbock. And, um, I was working at um, a job. It was, I was a contractor, and and that job um, went away. And, and the story behind that job is is crazy. But um, this guy named Vince uh, was talked about a lot in Lubbock, and he, you know, he was like this Wizard of Oz character. You know, he was just like this big personality, and you know, could get things done for you. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is. You know. And I took a job at a treatment facility there, just being a, a like a recovery tech, you know, and um, and so he called me one day, and when he called me, I like like I had no idea who this person was. I had no idea how he got my number. Like I, you know, and all he said to me, he didn't even say hello. He was like, "Tell me about this UA job you want to take," you know, because there was another job I need because I needed to pay bills and school wasn't my thing. So I was like, I just needed to work. And so the uh, treatment facility had a UA job that uh, they were opening opening up. So I was like, well, I can do the UA job in this recovery tech, you know. And that's urine analysis. Urine analysis. For those so, who may not know. I was going to be the P guy. Right, the P guy. The P guy. Yeah. And, uh, and He's I was, calling you about the P guy position. Yeah, yeah. He was like, This yeah. is an odd conversation. Yeah. I mean, uh, out of the blue, right? Out of the blue. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm ready wow. to take the P, P guy job and uh, and I'm happy about it. You know, I'm yeah. grateful for the opportunity. But that was the bar, right? Like the bar was set real low. And um, he called me out of the, uh, out of the uh, clear blue sky and... He was like, hey, tell me about this UA job. And I was like, well, quite frankly, I've got bills to pay and I need the job, you know? Right. And he goes, well, I don't want you to take the job. And, and I'm like, oh, man, here we go. Like, I'm going to get fired. Like, the same same story, you know, like, like dead-end job. I'm going to get fired. Like, I was just like, okay, just I don't know what I'm getting fired for, but just bring it on, you know? And that was my, my attitude. And, um, and he goes, instead of taking that UA job, I want you to be the director of our outdoor adventure program. And I want you to take our clients camping and hiking and teach them le- leadership skills and team building skills. And I just immediately hit my knees. Like imme- it, it took the breath out of me because that doesn't happen to people like me. Um, and it, and it, uh, it was the most, um, it, it paid the most I'd ever been paid, which wasn't a whole lot, but it was the most I had been paid. And this guy who I didn't know was trusting in me to lead a team uh, and and to lead clients in the wilderness. I had no experience camping, no experience on any of that stuff. And he had heard, I guess, through the AA community, um, uh, you know, that, uh, that I was a good person, I guess. And, and so he took a chance on me and it, and it, and it revolutionized my life. And so Vince is, uh, he means a lot to me. And, and, and so he, um, pushed even further, which is what Vince does. And, um, he said, Hey, I need you to fill out an application at Texas tech. And I said, Hey, I really appreciate the opportunity that you've given me. It's a great job. Best job I've ever had in my life, but I'm not going to Texas tech. That is not something I'm willing to, uh, to fail in, you know? And I said, that's for Emma. She's a chemical engineer. She's brilliant, uh, highly intelligent. That's her arena, and my arena is to work. 
And um, he said, cool, your application needs to be on my desk by March, you know? And I was like, geez, man, like, didn't you just listen to what I just said? You know, right, I'm not right. doing it. Not a word of it. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I'm going to, I am going to community college at this time and I'm like in the remedial math, you know, courses and struggling through, through school. I'm just struggling, you know? And, um, and, and really what I was waiting for is for it to not work anymore, like the school deal. So I could tell, tell Emma like, Hey, this isn't, Look, I've tried it. See, I told you. Yeah, right, that not, kind of thing. Right, it's not for me, you know. Um, and so, what ended up happening is, I, it, Vince kept pushing me and kept pushing me, and um, and so I was like, "Fine, I'll, I'll I'll fill it out." And so I did. And two weeks, three weeks later, I got uh, a denial letter from Texas Tech in the mail, um, and I immediately got on the phone to Vince, and I was like, "I told you, why would you do that to me? Why why would you put me in a position?" Where you, where you knew and I knew that there was not a chance I was going to get into Texas Tech. Why, why would you set me up for that? And he goes, dude, relax. Just, just wait a couple weeks, okay? And then he got off the phone with me, and I was like, okay. No more he, information. Yeah. He just told you to, to yeah. relax and wait. Yeah, so he literally was this like ominous figure in my life that <laughs> just kept calling me and was just like, dude, I don't understand. And now you're my boss, and now you're telling me. It's like, dude, I don't even know who you are. Um, and then lo and behold, two weeks later, I got, um, cause you had to apply to the center at Texas tech. You have, there's an application process. So I didn't mention that earlier. There's an application process that you have to have in order to get into Texas tech's collegiate recovery community. So I had applied to Texas tech and I had applied to the center and two weeks later, uh, I got an acceptance letter from Texas tech's collegiate recovery program. And I got a $1,200 scholarship and that scholarship would override Texas tech's denial. And all of a sudden, I'm in college, and I'm surrounded by uh, 18, 19, 20-year-olds. I'm a non-traditional uh, student, um, and I'm, I'm just beside myself of what in the world have I gotten myself into? <laughs> you know, like the, I'm scared, and I, I don't know how to study. I, mm -hmm. you know, how am I going to pay for this? You know, what what does you know? It just was very overwhelming, and. Um, and so I did like they, they, they make everybody maintain a 3.0 GPA. And I think at the time I had like a, I don't know, 1.8 or something. I mean, you know, and, um, I was like, that's a long way to get to a 3.0. And, um, and so I struggled the first semester, you know, I took a history of rock and roll class and I thought I was going to learn a lot in there. I was like, yeah, I love music and this would be great. I got a C in that class <laughs> and we're like learning about, you know, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and, um, you know, just all, all these really cool people. And I, I got a C in that class and, um, and I was like, see, this is not, this is not going to go well, you know, <laughs> right. gathering that evidence, yeah. right. That, that previous message that you're carrying. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, and I'm taking like, you know, biology classes and just, you know, all your, your basic core classes and just struggling, man. And, yeah. uh, and so I asked my peers, um, what would end up happening is, is the, and they have a basement, so it's a three-story building. And in the basement's where the students go to study, hang out. they got ping-pong tables there and video games and TV, and there's like a, it's a huge lounge area. And so what would happen is I would see my peers study, right? And I would see different ways of how to study. So some people had note cards. Some people would print out their notes and read them to themselves out loud walking around the halls. And they weren't ashamed of it. You know, it was like a cool thing to do. Like mm. studying was like cool, you know? Right. And, uh, and so I just 
watched what they did. And so then I just asked them, like, what do you do? How do you how do I do this? Because I have no clue, you know. And um, and so I started to borrow some of their study techniques and uh, and my GPA just started to climb. And um, at the Texas Tech Collegiate Recovery Community, they have a student organization called ASAS. And um, and so everybody has to join that. And I, I got very involved in that program and, and just give, giving back to the community was the whole purpose of, of their student organization. And so I got really involved in, in the collegiate recovery community at Texas Tech. So, you know, I became the, um, uh, the president of the student organization. I helped uh, another student organization called Power. It's providing the outside world with empowerment and resources. Shout out to Anna Trevino. Um, and I helped them um, kind of brand that and get that going. So at one point, I was the president of the, of the ASAS, which is this, the large student organization, and then Power. And so I was president of both at one point. Students were kind of like, hey, bud, like you need to stop doing that. Share like, some of that power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, but I just, I was so grateful. I was yeah. just so grateful. I was going to ask you what the motivation was. I was assuming it's probably gratitude and this release of energy and right, empowerment, yeah. et cetera. Right, and capacity. Fear. Yeah, and just all of that. Just like, yeah. I just was like, man, the more I get involved in this, maybe like it'll alleviate some of that, that fear and anxiety oh, that I have. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I and, can relate. Yeah, and so that's what it was. And so um, it was so rewarding. It was so rewarding. Yeah. And, and um one of the, the most rewarding things about being a part of that was that Emma was was doing her own volunteer services at a place called Family Family Promise, and it was for homeless mothers and children, and it provided them a safe place to go and do laundry and, and cook and clean and just be moms. Yeah. And so Emma found that on her own, and she was doing that. And so I was like, man, that's really, really cool. Um, and so I went over there and I volunteered too. And I brought some of our students over there to volunteer. And, and what I noticed was that the children didn't have anywhere to play. And so I was like, you know what? We have the, we have the means and the resources. So let's raise some money. And so we raised 1500 bucks, and we built a play place for the children. Because it was like they, they still need to be able to be kids. Just like right there on right. site where the moms were. That's just- right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's That's just incredible. Right. So it's just in order for them to be able to be kids be kids, and right. just because they're, they're homeless children doesn't mean that they don't deserve to be kids. Yeah. And so we gave back to that and it was one of the most meaningful things that I, I, I was able to, to do at Texas tech. And so anyway, fast forwarding, we, um, Emma graduated and, um, we got engaged there in the center and, um, she graduated in 2018 and she got a job up here in Oklahoma and we were in this um, crossroads because I didn't want to leave Texas Tech. I was like, they've given me so much. Like they, have, I mean, I, I'm safe here. I feel good here. Like these are my people. Uh, and now we're moving. Like that's scary, you know. And, um, <clears throat> and so we were actually looking at an apartment for me to stay in in, in Lubbock. And she would move up here. And, and we just knew that the long distance stuff wasn't probably going to work and her work schedule. So... We, uh, we decided to, to move to Oklahoma together, and, um, and I, got into, uh, I got accepted into the University of Oklahoma, their social work program. And as I was getting into that program, there was a couple guys that had visited Texas Tech's collegiate recovery program from OU, and I didn't know this. And so, so basically, it was like we were driving to Oklahoma, and they were flying to Texas Tech. Right? Oh, that's so crazy. Literally. Yeah. At, at the same time. Yeah. And so... Vince reached out to me. He was like, hey, I, these guys from Oklahoma reached out. They want to know how the 
to do a collegiate recovery program, whatever. And I just give them your number and just talk with them. You know, have you, did you ever like see Vince in person? I mean, just, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. Let me preface that. Yeah. I eventually met Vince okay. and, uh, yeah. he's much taller than me. And, um, he just, uh, he is, he's a wonderful human being and, and it, uh, hopefully yeah. he, he listens to this podcast and he, he doesn't, he's not very big on people praising him, but he has yeah. touched a lot of people's lives and um that's awesome and i just i can't i will never be able to thank that man enough for for what he did for me and my and my family and 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 my recovery i mean it's just i if i could be any any anything like vince that's that's what i'd want to be when i grow up is someone like him he wow. just cares yeah and um and and there's no um you don't need to reciprocate that, right? There's no, um, he doesn't want anything. It's just, mm -hmm. hey, I've got this and I want you to be a part of it. Yeah, and, he gets uh, it by giving giving it away. Yeah, yeah. he's very yeah. gifted uh, with that. And Man, so, can, I, can I ask you to pause just one please? second here? And you remember where you're at. So we've yeah. got these chain, you know, this uh, right. Lubbock's coming up to, to uh, Norman. Right. So um, I wanted to ask you on a, a, what was a key for me is like when you went and asked back, in that part of your story where you asked for help mm -hmm. and you were down, I think, was it the basement level where all the students gathered and studied? And, right. Yeah. What was it? What happened there? Cause some of our listeners, they may, what, what unlocked for you that gave you the insight or the courage or the capacity to say, you know what, how are you studying? What's working for you? Yeah. So I, I think it's, so you have to do that in recovery, right? right? Like I walked into the doors of, of recovery, um, broken, right? Just a shell of myself yeah. and didn't know where to go. Um, and I used that same mindset there was that I don't know how to be a student, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and conceding in my innermost self that that's the fact, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do this if I don't ask for help. And so, um, and what gave me the courage too was one was that. And then two was, um, these were people that were close to my age. These were people that, um, you know, hung out with when, when ate torchies and just hung out, you know, we just hung out together. And so they were my friends and, and they, that's what they were doing. And so I was like, I want to do what they're doing. You know, they, yeah. they seem to be, you know, rocking and rolling in college and, and, and being successful at it, um, and being passionate about it, uh, about their like projects that I would see that them working on and things. And so I was like, man, like I, I want that. It was contagious. You yeah. know, it was very um, motivating to, to want to do that. So that willingness, I think, came from, um, from not, not knowing how to do those things um, and then wanting to know how to do those things, yeah. you know, yeah. and, um, and knowing that if I didn't ask for help, I probably wasn't going to stay in this program for very long, you know? Yeah. And so, um, and, and so when you're around your peers like that all the time, um, you know, it's kind of like that saying where they say, you know, the longer you, if you go to a barbershop, the longer you stay in there, you're probably going to get a haircut, even if you didn't want one. Yep. Heard that one many yeah, times. Yeah. And that's the same thing. You know, yeah. you hang out there long enough. Eventually you're either going to jump on board or you're not. Right. You know? No matter the behavior, right. No matter what the norms are, these Good are matter. healthy, positive, constructive norms. Right. Hanging around people that want to win and yeah. want to do well. It was the expectation. This right. is what we do here. This is this is how it is. And um, that's awesome. Yeah, and so you, it's contagious. Yes. You know, and so I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah, that's what I want to do. And yep. so yeah, they they set me down and um, we're like, hey, here's dude note cards, highlight. And what worked for me was because um, I'm a very outward individual. And so what worked for me was taking notes on a computer. 
uh, printing those notes out, highlighting the, the topics, bullet pointing the things I needed to know and walking around talking out loud to myself. I'm sure I looked crazy, but it works. Yeah, uh, it, worked it worked for you. It worked for me. Right, and you found something meaningful that was relevant and helped you succeed. That's right, and and I felt safe doing it there. Yeah, I didn't feel right. like I was being judged yeah. or that people were looking at me weird because that's what everybody else was doing, you know. <laughs> right. And and then when we would get into a study drought, um, we would put our notes down and go play ping pong or go play pool or or um, or uh, go on a walk or whatever it is, and then we'd come back and 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 do it again, you know. And there'd be many, there were many many nights that I was up there till midnight, one, two, three o'clock in the morning with my peers. Yeah. They're in recovery study, yeah. changing their lives. And, uh, and man, there's, that's magic. That's powerful. That's some good know? stuff. That's yeah. all I wanted to dive in. So thank you for going yeah. there and, uh, and doing that. So yeah. you found a way to succeed and that seemed like a pivotal moment. Right. Well, man, so pick up wherever you like. So we've got, yeah. uh, you're in the Norman area or are you in Moore? Or yeah. Where, so, where are you so, based? so we're in, yeah. we're, we moved to Moore, moved to Moore. And, okay. um, and, and these guys, uh, were like, Hey, uh, um, you should, Vince was like, you should meet with these guys. And so I did, I met with them and I was like, man, this is really cool. They want to start a collegiate recovery program. I have no idea how to do that. It's completely out, out of, out of the scope of my knowledge. Um, but if y'all want me to go talk to someone about how amazing it is, I can do that to anybody. Um, and so that's basically what the deal was. And then they were like, Hey, would you, would you be willing to help us? um, create a, um, a proposal to the university. Um, and we can't, we can't pay you, but, but it'll give you something to do during the summer. Cause we moved up here in like June. And so I was like, sure, like I'll, I'll help with that. Um, and so they, they pay, basically paid me in pizza, which was fine. Pizza is my favorite food. And so, um, I was fine with it. And so, um, we worked, uh, very diligently on, on that proposal. And I learned a lot doing that. Um, and then <clears throat> some things happened with the individuals that, 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 uh, that were kind of spearheading this and the university decided to part ways with them. And I was left kind of in the, in the smoke of all of the stuff that we had been doing and, and all the research that we had been doing. And mm. that's really where it started because, oh, okay. yeah. because and let me backtrack for just a second. Yeah, so, sure. so when I was at Texas tech, they, they, I learned about the Association of Recovery in Higher Education, ARHE. And they have a national conference every year. Um, and so I got to apply to go to this conference in 2017. And I got accepted to go. And so I was like, yeah, it was in Washington, D.C. And I was like, yeah, let's go. So I went. And Charles, it blew me away. Here's the deal. Like, I thought Texas Tech had a drinking problem, right? I was like, they have a collegiate recovery program because Texas, what else is there to do in West Texas other than drink, right? So here's a safe place for people who are going to stop drinking, right? I thought it was isolated to Texas Tech. I go to Washington, D.C., and I was blown away. Uh, of It was about 1,500 to... 2,000 people there, legislators there, the man who, the biochemical engineer who created the nasal spray of Narcan was there, um, legislators, senators, moms, dads, students, um, you name it, all over the country, all over the country, there's people that were there, people that worked in the White House. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And um, I was like, man, this is this is really, really cool. And I was like sitting in the nosebleeds, you know, like in just the little breakout sessions that they'd have. And I'd be looking at Tim Raybolt and Patrice 
and all these people. And I'm like, man, those are winners. Like th- those are, those are change makers. Those are people that are moving recovery forward. And I was so intimidated by them. I was like, wow, like that is amazing. And so I come back to, t- to Lubbock and I just kind of don't I put follow in the back of my mind. Right. So, um, fast forwarding, right. I'm, 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 those guys left the university. I'm doing all this research into collegiate recovery. And I find out there's 150 of these programs all across the country of various sizes. Um, and, um, I started to advocate on campus, um, and educate people on collegiate recovery programming, um, and educating them on the number of students, like at OU, for example, there's 30,000, uh, and I'm ballparking everything right now, but there are about 30,000 students. And out of those 30,000 students, there's about 450 of those students that meet substance use disorder criteria, right? And, and so the students are not the ones that are advocating for themselves. Those are the students that are withdrawing, they're isolating, they're, um, they're, uh, they're not telling their peers about it because of stigma, shame, guilt, remorse, all of those things. Yeah, and those the are, nature of addiction, of course, right. itself too. Right. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're. They're. And I get it. You know, they're me. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. So um, and so I started started advocating to 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 OU officials, anybody who would just listen to me, you know, and was like, please just sit down with me. And let's talk about collegiate recovery and let's talk about what it did in my life and what I know for a fact it can do in other people's lives here. And so um, people would, they would take the time to sit down with me and they would say, oh, it's really great. It's really great. Blah, blah, blah. And so then ARHE and and another nonprofit called Safe Project put together a leadership um, academy. And so I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to apply to that. And so I did. And I remember calling Vince, too, when I first got to OU, when I very first stepped foot on campus at OU, um, I was walking to, I don't know where I was walking, maybe the library. I don't know where I was walking to. And I called Vince, and I was like, Vince, what do I do? There's no one here like me. Like uh, Just I, like what, in, what do you do in general, right? Right. Because you've like, told me this before, and I, yeah. love this, I love this story. Yeah. yeah. So just how do I do this? Well, how, how do, do I, I, yeah, what do I do, man? How do I do things? I, I felt like a fish out of water. I go from yeah. a 120-student program, right? Yeah. Staff, dedicated space, scholarships, sober dorms. We're going to football games together. We're, we're, we're doing life together. All those structures are in place. All those structures are in place. Been there for, for a really long time. I go from that to nothing zero, nothing on campus. And that was absolutely terrifying because I was like, Oh, like, what do I do? Where do I go? You know? And, uh, and luckily I had, had been researching collegiate recovery and that, and that kept me connected. I felt like that kept me connected. Yeah. And, um, and then ARHE leadership deal came and, and I felt, I was like, that will keep me connected too, right. To, to Texas tech maybe into the, I've been to that conference. Right. So it was like, that'll keep me connected. And so I got accepted into this conference, into this leadership academy, and we had these little projects that we had to do. And one of them uh, was they could have been create a collegiate recovery program or do something in the community for recovery. And I'd already been trying to do that. I'd, I, was, I started a student organization um, called Students in Recovery, and, um, and I just started advocating. And I, and I met students um, that, that saw the vision of it. And the vision was just to provide a safe place on campus for students that are in recovery or identify with being in recovery of some, of some kind, eating disorder, sex, gambling, drugs, it didn't matter, recovery. 
And, um, and so, um, we started to do, uh, a Wednesday night, all recovery meeting, um, every Wednesday night. And what I was so fortunate that the, that the staff and the faculty at the Annie and Henry Zara school of social work allowed us to use one, uh, their community room to, to host this meeting. And, um, they were just so super supportive of everything that I was doing. And so, um, so I joined this leadership Academy I get flown out to Keystone, Colorado and learn a bunch of things there and come back and I'm just on fire. I'm like, there, there's going to be a collegiate recovery program at this university before I leave. There has to be. Like there was no convincing me that there wasn't, right? And because I, I saw what it did for me and not only what it did for me, but what it did for the relationships that I had in my life, the relationships with my wife, my mom, my sister, my nephews, my best friends, all of those, I ha- like no one ever imagined me going to college. No one. And all of a sudden I'm in college and I'm doing well, right? And, and so and it's because of that collegiate recovery program at Texas Tech. So in my mind, there was no not having one, right? Like there's just, we should have done this a long time ago. That was my attitude. And so I just started meeting with people um, on the campus that just would take the time to meet with me. And I just started educating them on collegiate recovery, how long it's been around, how many universities have this, how many universities in our own uh, Big 12 conference have them, um, what it provides for the university, um, all sorts of stuff. And so um, at the time, OU was going through some racial uh, issues. They were going through a new president change. People were getting laid off. It was a very tumultuous time at OU. And so all of the work that I would do would take 10 steps forward and then 30 steps backwards. And then we would catch up with ourselves again and then another 30 step back. So it was just climbing Mount Everest. It was just, we would do really great. And then, and then something would happen, you know, and then it just back and forth. And it was just uh, crazy. But I, I, I stayed the course in my mind. I was like, there's, there's no reason that you can convince me that a collegiate recovery program shouldn't exist here. Substance use disorder is not a moral failing. It is not a willpower issue. It is a diagnosable, treatable disease. And there has to be some form of recovery support services here. And so no matter what was happening at OU, I was meeting with anybody and everybody that would meet with me. And that not only included OU, but it included the Norman community and then Oklahoma's community at large. And so I started meeting with um, different treatment facilities around Norman. And then uh, I started to, um, I met Hugh and Ann Benson of Parents Helping Parents. And um, they're fantastic, amazing people. And and, um, met with them several times. And then they were like, hey, would you like to join our board of directors? And I said, I've never done that before in my life, but I will, yes, please. I, 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 yeah, that's fantastic. And so I was the young, I'm the, I was the youngest person on the board and, 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 uh, and it was a really cool experience, um, learning from them and growing with them. And, and that got me connected, you know, and, um, and then I, um, uh, through the advocacy that, that we did, I ended up uh, meeting with the attorney general of the state of Oklahoma and, um, presenting to him and his opioid commission team on collegiate recovery programming and the, and the importance of it. And, um, and so I got, uh, to meet him and his team and, and they put me in the, uh, the opioid, uh, report that they had. 
And, um, and so I got to meet a lot of really amazing people across the state of Oklahoma um, because I fell into this advocacy thing. And, um, and so then um, I, um, it was like a year passed or so, and then, and then I got, I woke up one day to an email that I was the recipient of the National Collegiate Recovery Student of the Year Award given to me by ARHE. And I remember sitting in my bed just like, I started, started crying because I was like, what, like, this doesn't happen. Like, I don't, why do I, why am I winning an award? You know what I mean? I just, yeah. um, I just, I was, I was like, I'm not doing this work to win awards. I'm doing it because I want people like me to have what I got. Mm-hmm. And so it really caught me off. It caught me off. It caught me by surprise. And so um, I got to fly out to Boston and pick up that award at Fenway Park. Unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, in front of like, you know, um, you know, two, three, four, five hundred people. And um, it was just uh, so um, breathtaking and rewarding. And, and, and it fueled me even more. It was that, you know what, I guess this unit, like the universe is telling me I'm on the right path. And, um, and so I got back and uh, start, I met with the students that were in Students in Recovery and our, and our advisor, Jennifer Dell. And... Um, I was like, we need to do, we need to do more. And they were like, Dustin, we're doing a lot already and we're students full time. And I don't know if we could do more. And I was like, no, we got to do more. And so, um, so we formed a, uh, we were going to host a night called a night of recovery and it was in September of 2019. And, um, and so we went to, um, the, uh, development team at OU cause I'd met a lot of people at OU and said, Hey, we want to raise a lot of money. And I don't know how to do that, um, but I was told that we needed money to create a collegiate recovery program, and so let's go do that somehow. <laughs> you know, sell shirts, I don't cookies, I don't know. Let's go do something, and so, and so, uh, we did. So uh, they have a a, a a fundraising campaign called A Thousand Strong, and we signed up for that, and um, and then we started to put together. Uh, in my opinion, a historic night at OU called a night of recovery. And it was a Friday and I asked everybody that I knew in the, in the, in the community that I had met over the past two years or year and a half to come and support this, this night. And so what we did was we had, um, Senator Mary Boren moderate it. Other legislators and senators were invited. And then I flew in, uh, Tim Raybolt, the executive director of ARHE. I had um, uh, J.D. Fennell, who is the executive director for uh, Mission Academy, which is a sober high school, the only sober high school here in Oklahoma City. Um, I had uh, Max that was on that board, who was a student in recovery. I had um, the president of SGA on that board, um, and I had Judge uh, Michael Tupper on that board, a Cleveland County Drug Court judge. And so I wanted a very diverse population on the board. Um, and so I asked people to be there at five o'clock. The funny thing about that was, is that Kings of Leon is from Oklahoma and they were playing a free concert Friday at five o'clock. I was like, dude, what? Like perfect timing. <laughs> There's our entertainment. I, yeah. What am I, yeah. What am I going to do here? You know, people are going to drive all the way down to Norm, you know? Yeah. And they did. It was about four fifty. And I'm sweating bullets. And I'm like, no one's showing up. Yeah. Uh, you know? And then about 450, man, everybody just poured in. And there was over 100 people in that room. 
and there was Dean Robel and folks from Student Affairs and folks from Housing and moms and dads, and it was like a mini ARHE conference in that room, and we just talked about the importance of collegiate recovery programming. And what I wanted the university to see was that the community that you're in supports this. Mm -hmm. They want this in their community and they want to support it. And so we launched our, our thousand strong campaign and a man named Charles, Charles Brown, uh, gifted us $10,000 or us a $10,000 check and, uh, to get us going. And we raised uh, $16,500 in like a, a month. And to go towards books, scholarships, anything that can give back to the students that are in recovery. And so um, out of that, you know, we formed an exploratory committee at, at OU. And um, hopefully in July, that, that report that, uh, that we've been working on for a long time will be submitted to Student Affairs. And hopefully Student Affairs does the right thing and, and, and implements a collegiate recovery program at OU, and it'll be the, the first one in the state that, that is uh, forward-facing, that's out loud, that says, hey, we support these students in any way. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with all of that work. So, yeah, in a uh, nutshell, a hey, long nutshell. Hey, man, no, that's okay. That's I, it. No, it's absolutely yeah. captivating yeah. story to me. Uh, I, I, I'm infinitely curious about, about this program. Yeah. And the way that you describe it, I'm sure our listeners, those that can relate to recovery of any kind for themselves or a loved one, and then especially through education. Uh, so many of us, you know, we, we enter this transitional period of our lives, and maybe we have an addiction, or, or maybe we don't, or maybe we find one while we're there. And, and this, it's a really a transitional period for most of us. I know it was for me. So I left home and was I was on the campus mm -hmm. at OU, and I... <laughs> I already had an addiction coming in. I didn't know it right. at the time, you know. So, uh, again, thinking about myself, but m more broadly than that. And I'm thinking, man, if, if young Charles was there studying and, and doing other things that he was doing and just seeing that, oh, by the way, there's going to be this meeting. Right. And by the way, here's a little bit of information about some signs that you might have this issue that's keeping right. you from being your best or whatever. Right. Somebody like me that wants to be the, their best self. Right. I'm wired that way. Most of us are, but I'm like, like times 10. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my temperament type. So if I may have seen something like that, I'm just imagining now backwards. But then how that might apply to so many more hundreds or thousands of people because it's not just that student, as that's you right. mentioned. It's all those relationships. Yeah. So many folks don't understand that, that addiction is a family illness. Right. It's a family disease. It everybody gets to play, you know. That's right. <laughs> Whether you want to or not. Right. You, yep. You're going to be in the game. You may not know what your role is, but you have one that's if you right. know somebody that's addicted. So I love every bit of it. So I'm, hope I'm hopeful that anybody that might be listening to this, affiliated with OU, that, yeah, you do do the right thing. Right. And others, because I have folks from higher ed that listen in. Uh, this might be a good fit for your uh, for your university. That's right. You know what I mean. And so, and Dustin, you're an excellent resource. So I want to get to content information here shortly. But sure. I also, in our closing, I don't know, ten or fifteen minutes, want to give you the opportunity to shift gears. Sure. Tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing presently, because I know what it is. But I want to allow you to introduce sure. it. Sure. Uh, we've we've traveled together. I'm getting yeah. ready to go see this facility. Yes. In a month or two at the time of this recording. Right. So please uh, tee it up and tell us all about what you're doing. Yeah. So it's a great segue because um, where I work currently is, is called Stages of Recovery. 
um, and they are a 90-day PHP IOP uh, clinical program that offers uh, transitional housing in Lubbock and Waco. And when I was living in Lubbock, I saw stages of recovery from afar. I wasn't living in uh, sober living, wasn't in treatment. I was working for another treatment facility, just doing my thing, going to school, doing my thing. And what I noticed in the Lubbock community was stages of recovery was, was hosting golf tournaments. They were going bowling, softball tournaments. They were having uh, fight nights, um, you know, with a big blow-up screen in our parking lot. Um, they were doing New Year's Eve parties for the entire recovery community. And I thought that was so attractive. I was like, wow, man, like they're, they're really doing a great job here um, of, of really rallying people together. Because these are community events. These right? are community this events. This is beyond just the facility itself. That's this right. Is, it's just, like outreach. Let's bring in the whole outreach. Let's bring in the yeah. community together and just be in recovery together. Phenomenal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I was like, man, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so when I moved to Oklahoma, I graduated with my, my BSW. Um, you know, Emma and I were like, Hey, like, you know, we, we kind of want to go home. I want to go back to San Antonio. And, um, and so we, we weighed out our pros and cons and, um, just thought about it. And I, I had, was looking for employment. So I, I reached out to Steven Medley, who's one of the owners. It was like, Hey, do you have any openings in Waco? Cause they have a facility down there. And he's like, no, we, currently we, we don't. And so I was like, okay, cool. No, no problem. And I was talking with other other people, and um, I was about to accept another job up here in Oklahoma. And and then Stephen was like, "Hey, I'm I'm coming up to Oklahoma. I've got some family up there, and would love to to meet with you." And this is the first time that he and I had formally met each other. And so I brought him along, and we went and had had some pizza. And um, I just talked to him about collegiate recovery and uh, and what I did at the other treatment facility. Um, taking folks camping and hiking and teaching them lead, leadership skills and all those things. And, um, and he could see the passion of, of collegiate recovery, just taking over the conversation essentially as it, as it does. And, um, he's like, man, like, would, would you be willing to do this outdoor adventure thing for us? Like maybe part-time. And, uh, I was like, I'm sure. Like, I mean, I, yeah, that actually fits my schedule better than a full-time job. Currently I could do this part-time and it's easy. I know how to do it. And so, um, and so we did. And so I, I've led about six different trips now. Um, and, um, and then after I graduated with my master's in social work, he's like, man, I would love for you to, to just help us grow and, and, and help folks learn about stages of recovery. And I said, absolutely. Uh, and the reason why I'm saying absolutely is because I know you're ethical. I know that the quality of, of, of care that you provide is top notch. It's affordable. Um, and, uh, and, and all of the owners went through Texas Tech's collegiate recovery program. Funny how that is, right? Also funny side note is, is that myself, one of the, the lead uh, supervisor clinician, Melissa, and one of the owners, Anthony, all were presidents of that student organization at Texas Tech. So they, they, you know, they've got leaders in here. I know them. And so I was like, absolutely. Um, and so... Um, that's what I've been doing is I've been, I've been trying to go around and meet people and, and talk to them about where we fall in that continuum of care. Um, so a lot of time people, people go to detox residential. And then the question is what, what now? Right. So that's, that's where we fall in is mm -hmm. the what now part. So we do 90 days of PHP IOP and offer long-term transitional living at an affordable cost. 
We're in, we're in network with all major insurance companies. We do private pay if that's what you need to do as well, but we will definitely try to get insurance for you. Um, and they're also connected to uh, do a lot of work with Texas Tech's Collegiate Recovery Program, and Baylor has a collegiate recovery program there as well. So, um, you know, they position themselves quite nicely to work with collegiate recovery programs because of what it did in their life. Like, that's the theme of the whole thing. Collegiate recovery programs change people's lives. And so, um, and so that, that's why I was like, you know what, Stages is a great fit for me because they, they know where I came from. They, they, they went through the same program. Uh, I know their heart. I know their purpose. I know their mission. They're very transparent people. If we're not a good fit for you, we're going to find a good fit for you. Um, and the owner, uh, Stephen Medley, uh, is just hands-on. I mean, he's hands-on with every client that comes in. Um, we're, we're a structured program. Um, we have, uh, we're going to get our, our, we have a, we just hired a leadership team mentors going to get PRSS trained. We're all trained in, in trauma. Um, everybody's a, a master's level, cl uh, you know, clinician. So, I mean, we, we provide good quality care. And so we want to be able to be that resource for families, um, that, um, that feel that we would be a good fit. And, uh, and maybe, maybe if, if everything goes well, we can get them into college. And then their life changes, you know, because as it stands right now, I have the highest level of education in my entire family. I failed the first grade. I didn't learn how to read. I had felonies. That was not supposed to be part of the story. You know, like where I'm at today, working with stages, advocating um, for on behalf of stages and for collegiate recovery is not something I ever envisioned in my life. And, um, I'll do it for the rest of my life if I need to, you know? And so it's a, it's a great program and I'm, I'm excited to have you come out there and, and see the, see the facilities. Uh, the, the apartments are amazing. The clinical staff is, is phenomenal. Um, and I just, I love, I love where I'm at right now. Yeah. Know? I know that you do. And so recently I'm going to give a little shout out to, um, Eddie Fisher. Yeah. Who's with Casa Colina down oh, in Texas? Oh, Uncle Eddie eats. Uncle Eddie eats. We had some good pizza. So yes. Uncle Eddie, Eddie Fisher, took us down to Casa Colina treatment right. facility, and um, and there's lots of great facilities out there, folks. Yeah. As a professional recovery coach and life purpose coach, I'm I'm always looking for resources as well. Right. But I can tell you everything that I've heard about stages of recovery and Casa Colina so far firsthand has just been excellent. And right. I've gotten to meet staff at Casa Colina, and I'm really excited. Uh, in terms of the continuum of care yeah. and quality care, right? Because really, it's it's that first year. Mm -hmm. It's that first year. Really so if folks go to twenty eight day, or hopefully they go to ninety day. This is what I recommend. That's if you right. can get ninety days, please do. That's right. In a residential treatment facility, please go to detox if you need detox. Go get the medical care that you need, and then get involved in a residential treatment program that fits you. And then there's options like stages of recovery. Start considering that now as a family member or as a person in recovery or considering recovery. Right. There, there's long-term care that's going to help you to be successful and have the kind of life that Dustin is describing right now. And I'm telling you firsthand, I had a different journey in my own recovery story, but, but it, was, it was treatment, residential treatment, right. and then sober living right. with the steps and, and counseling. Right. So I needed that long-term transitional living experience to learn how to live life on life's terms. That's right. And it took all that time, five, six months, to learn how to do, begin to learn how to do that. Right. 
And so to sit across from you today, Dustin, and have this conversation, are you kidding me? What yeah. a great conversation. Yeah. This yeah. could have been very different out there on the street if oh. I would have even lived this long, you know? So yeah. either one of us. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like, I'm in, It's I'm ridiculous, in this, isn't it? Yeah, I'm in this beautiful office. We're talking about recovery, and it's like, what happened? You know, I, like, yeah. I jumped into this crazy, like... Um, wormhole and, and, and my life became very abundant and, and you speak about this a lot, but it became purpose driven. Yeah. You know, there's a purpose to my life and it's to help folks just like me get a, get a life. And, and a lot of people in recovery will say, well, I got my life back. And I just don't believe that mm-hmm. I, I got a life. I, I got a very abundant, full life. Yeah. And um, and I, I want to be able to give that and to share that with people and, and to listen to their stories because it adds to my life and, and, and I can add to theirs today. Mm-hmm. And it's because of recovery. And, and you're so right. Like the, a lot of folks don't talk about that aftercare piece a lot. They'll talk about the treatment. Mm-hmm. I, I am on board 90 days. It's highly recommended. Yeah. And they don't talk about the aftercare piece. People will go to treatment and they're like, oh, well, you're cured. I wish that that's how that worked. It doesn't. And so the, the aftercare piece with the clinical component to it is, 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 is highly recommended to people. And, and that's why I love stage of sobriety. We're more than just sober living. Mm-hmm. We're sober living that has a very detailed schedule for folks in addition with all of the clinical services that we provide. And, um, and so we really want to, to provide wraparound services in a way that's affordable uh, ethical and, uh, and fun. You know, we have a lot of fun, you know, uh, our thing, our Waco location just took some guys out paintballing. Um, that sounds like that hurts, but fun, you know, I yeah. mean, we, we, you know, we go camping and hiking, we go bowling, we take, I mean, we try to have as much fun as we can because you have to have fun. And, um, and so I'm excited to be at stages of recovery. I'm excited to to talk with you today. I'm excited to talk about collegiate recovery with any, anyone who's listening. If anybody wants to talk collegiate recovery and kind of figure out how to navigate that, I would love to be a resource for anybody for that. So, And on that note, Dustin, our last minute or two, uh, contact information that comes to mind. If not, it's going to be in the show notes. So if you're listening in now, just click on the show notes. You're going to see all the contact information. But what comes to mind? Email, website, social media, anything else? Yep. But- so you can contact me directly. My phone number is 210-464-3267. And you can email me at dustin.huckabee, last name is spelled H-U-C-K-A-B-E, at stagesofrecovery.net. Okay, yeah, that's one E on the end of that name. But click down on it below and make sure you got it right. Give Dustin a call. Reach out to Dustin. Email him on anything that he's discussed today. Hey, your passion is blowing me away over here in all the right ways. You know, that joy is coming through, and that's what keeps me sober. That yeah. Why use when you feel this way? Yeah. Yeah. This is an amazing life. Yeah, it's just, it would be pointless. Yeah. yeah. So, Dustin Huckabee, thanks so much for being my guest on the show. Yes, thank you. You've been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. 
And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you were meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today.